Our next retreat is finally here. It's called Adventures in Energetics, and it's happening November 8th to the 14th, 2024 in Boquete, Panama. This seven-day, six-night retreat in the beautiful cloud forest of Panama is going to be a unique experience. This program is a not-for-beginners retreat. And what I mean by that is you will actually have to fill out an application before you will be accepted to be able to register for the program because we are going to be doing more advanced level energetics and I need to make sure that everybody who comes is actually ready for the work. We will be doing a Kundalini awakening. We will be doing group visioning process called a spiritual canoe. We will be doing daily presence practices and working on expanding our energy. We will be doing daily rituals. This process will be related to specifically the people who are there because in addition to filling out the questionnaire about what your experience is, you're also gonna ask for what it is that you'd like to learn. So part of the curriculum for this is set and part of it will be designed around the desires of the participants. I only have 20 beds available for this retreat, so it will fill up quickly. So this is the time to register. Do not wait. To find out more, go to kellysparta.com forward slash retreat. I look forward to seeing you there. Another blood red sunset and yet another moon face and still another hundred miles to my next resting place. Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon, within my car I'm all Feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Hello and welcome to Spirit Sherpa, the show that helps and encourages you on your journey to unlock your magic mojo. I'm Jules, your co-host. If you're new to this type of work, please start with episode one. If you're intermediate, you can start with episode 98. And if you're advanced, you can start with episode 200. With me, as always, to share her insights and wisdom is the spirit doctor, Kelly Sparta. Hi, Kelly. How's it going today? Hey, Jules. It's good. It's good. I'm, I'm, okay. So, you know, I know we normally shoot the shit in the beginning here, but. I, yeah, we're not going to. Nope, nope. We're going, we're diving right into it. Yeah, we're diving right in because, you know, I mean, Neil Donald Walsh is here, man. <laughs> So, so, and, and, I, and I'm and I'm looking at episode 460 because I'm past the advanced. Oh, there you go. Awesome. Well, so, we're only on 360 something now, right? No, I know. No, but, so but you, I'm you, in, but I'm, I'm I'm 100 I'm 100 episodes ahead of even you guys. <laughs> okay, you are. Well, you're you know, at the, you're at the master level. You're rocking and rolling, dude. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so just a little history, guys, is that Neil, Neil's books, the Conversations with God series, came out in the 90s, right? Yep. Not 5595. I, I recall the date because it was so symmetrical. 5595. Yeah, that's awesome. And I started reading those books right around that time, whenever they first came out. And I, so, so he's a seminal author for me. And, and so I, I'm having a little fangirl moment here. <laughs> so, um, and, and Neil's got a new book out. So, so just to give you a point of reference, um, Neil channels conversations with God. And so, you know, he, he channels them, he writes them down and he puts them in books and we get to read them and bit and then they're amazing. Right. So tell me, why now for this new book? Because I'm super excited to hear about you had conversations with God, like one through five, right? Uh, there are actually, actually there are nine conversations with God. And they've dialogue. been on, on the dialogue. top bestseller list. Yeah. <laughs> Se seven, seven of them have, I'm gratefully, uh, humbly grateful to say that seven actually wound up being on the New York Times bestseller list. So I'm not bragging about that. I'm not bragging about that, but just saying it because it tells me there's this huge interest in in the public. And I'd like to make a little, a small um, change in a word that you used before I get into this new book, God Talk, and why I wrote it. Um, I don't channel. I don't channel. Uh, I'm not a channel. And 
And, and, I, and I've made this statement publicly many, many times, including in the books themselves, that please, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't channel any more than Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John channeled. You know, they, they would have called themselves a channel, even if that word were in vogue in those days. They simply, they simply received information. Uh, but channeling, you know, you know, and you know why I have a little tiny, little small, little quarrel with the word word channel, Kelly, because people these days think that a channeler is someone whose body has been taken over by, whose beingness has been taken over by another entity, while his mind is you know somewhere put on hold somewhere, and then then he's channeling this information from a deceased person or someone who lived prior. You know, and, and I don't, I don't do that. Uh, so I, I'm not a channel, and I've resisted the temptation of being called a channel or calling myself that. I'm a scribe. I'm a messenger. I simply took dictation. I didn't, I didn't channel or bring it through and sit down in a room and start speaking in a strange voice, the way channelers sometimes do. You know, I, I simply asked a question, and in my mind. I heard the answer, and I wrote as as fast as I could. I scribbled down the answer as quickly as I could on my yellow legal pad, and then usually the answer brought up another question. And then I, so before I knew it, I was involved in question answer, question answer, question answer, kind of an on paper dialogue. Uh, with at the beginning, I didn't know what was happening, and only after a while did I realize I must be being inspired by God itself because she's saying things to me that i've never heard anywhere else in any of my childhood religious teachings or my cultural stories that i received uh, or the books i've read including portions of the bible and other books that i've read i'm 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 receiving information here that i never read in or received from any of those other sources in my whole life so I kept on writing because I was fascinated with what I was, what I was fascinated by, with what I was receiving, and I, I wrote it down. And uh, I and it wasn't intended to be a book, Kelly. I didn't I didn't sit there and think, oh, I'm going to write you know a book here. I was having a very, frankly, a very personal experience, so personal that it never occurred to me to even share it with anyone, even my closest friends or my closest relatives. It was that personal. I thought, I'm not going to walk around my family and say, hey, I'm having an interaction with the divine. So, But I was told in the dialogue, you will make of this one day a book and it will be accessed by many people. And I thought to myself, you know what? We'll see about that. Because, you know, honestly, I really thought, I dared, I thought to my, my, my first thought was, I dare you. I mean, because nobody's going to publish a book because a guy claims to be talking to God. That's not going to happen. So this was my chance to prove that what was going on was really what I thought it was, and not just, you know, a figment of my imagination or something that I was making up as I was going along. So I did send it to a small group, I think three or four Publishers, I sent my my notes. I had them transcribed. They were all handwritten on a yellow legal pad. I found a lady who did who was a court stenographer who was a friend of a friend. I didn't know her personally, but I, she was a friend of a friend. And she said, "Yeah, I'll be glad to transcribe your notes." So she typed up all my handwritten notes, and then I had a handwritten document which I sent to I think it was three or four publishers. By golly, I got a call. Maybe a month or so later, two or three weeks later, my phone rang, and one of those publishers called me back and said, "We want to put, we want to put this book out." I couldn't believe it. I said, "You're kidding me." They said, "No, we, we find it fascinating. We, we've we've shared it with our staff. Everyone who's read the manuscript loves it, and uh, uh, but we don't like the title. You called it Conversations with God." I said, "Well, that, that's what, what I experienced." They said, "Well, it's going to be kind of a pushback." People are not going to want to buy a book with a title like that because it's it's you know it's 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 kind of a pushback. And so I said, I'm sorry. You're either going to call it what I experienced, or you're not going to do it at all. You know what they wanted at first? They wanted to put it out as a fiction book. This is the truth. 
They thought we could, it could be a piece of fiction, you know, a, a nice read, a good read, but fictional. And I said, no, we're not, we're not going to put it out as a fiction. This actually happened to me. This is not something I've made up like a fiction book. And then it, so the guy said, you know, the publisher, okay. He said, okay, fair enough, fair enough. We'll put it out. It's not going to sell, you know, a bunch of copies, but we believe in the material. We're going to put it out. Sold five million. Yeah. Just a way. What did they want to call it? They, they they didn't even propose. I didn't give him a chance to even propose a, an alternate title. As soon as he said, as soon as he said we would like to call it something, I said no, 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 no. We're, we're not going there. You know. So I, I don't want people who are watching this to think that I'm bragging about this. I'm only mentioning that not only was the book published, but it sold millions of copies, wound up being translated into 37 languages. I'm only bringing these points up so people understand that when God says something, she means it. I mean, he's he's not getting around. So, uh, and he proved it to me, and I, and I got okay, fair enough, because you know I did re- honestly. I didn't think there was a chance in the world, even even if a, if somebody was interested, I could see the I could see, just see the the head of the company going out to his workroom floor, you know, where all the editors are sitting at their desks. Hold everything! Stop the presses! I got a guy here who's talking to God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved how you started the book because, or I, I listened to the twenty-six and a half hours of aud- of audio book, right? So, so I I I love my audio books, and when I was listening, I loved how basically you were arguing, you know, with in the conversation, and it's like, oh yeah, well here's what it is, da, 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 da. and I was like, oh my god, I love this guy. And it's so funny because I resonated with that so much because I tell people all the time, I I. I I talked to my guides at the time when I was first getting started and they would tell me to do something. And I would tell them to go take a flying leap. I'm like, nope, we're not doing that. Nuh-uh, I'm not, I, I would fight with them. And so seeing you argue with God made me happy because I was like, okay, I can't be too, too bad because he's arguing too. So <laughs> Yeah. With God. But, yeah. But, but yeah, I, I was simply you know, deeply questioning. And yeah, in some cases arguing, wait a minute, that can't be true. Wait a minute. What are you saying? That can't be true. And I reasoned that I thought that what I was being told couldn't be true is that I had been told exactly the opposite. In my childhood upbringing, I was brought up as a Roman Catholic, and I'm not going to be a Catholic basher because much of what the Catholic Church teaches, much of what all religions teach, is of great value, wonderful insight. But there are some things, I just think that religions are some, sometimes incomplete. That, that is, they don't have the whole story. So, so they, they, Which is why I've been running around for the past 25 years asking the question, is it possible? Just possible. That there's something we don't fully understand here about God and about life and about each other, the understanding of which would change everything. And that's where I got, got to in my conversation with God. And when the book came out and, and did uh, wind up being obtained by over 5 million people uh, uh, in 37 languages, I thought, okay, there's more going on here than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. So I have to well, ask I, I know. Sorry, I have to ask the question. Um, All of the books before were Conversations with God, one, two, three, four. Why is this one a different title? Well, uh, well, they they weren't all uh, Conversations with God. They were one, two, three, and four, but then there were also Friendship with God, Communion with God, the the New Revelation. Of course, I'm right. I wrote them, so I know know I'm right. My bad. I remember reading them, uh, but my head was like, "Oh no, they were they were one, two, three. But you're right. It was the yeah. That's my bad. So yes, sure. Um, but but yeah. to answer your question, why did I write this latest book? You know, most authors write a book and then they see if they can find a publishing house that wants to put it out, which is what I've done. Really, with my first thirty nine books, I, I never, but. I never had anybody, you know, call me. We have me. to stop it right there, what, which is what I've done with my first thirty-nine books. I just, I just have to point out thirty-nine books, guys. Thirty-nine books. That is, that is a life work right there. So, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, you know, it, it is, and again, it is, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging because I'm not bragging, but, but I, I, I do, I do think that I, I wrote those thirty-nine books, nine of which are dialogue question and answer books, dialogues with God. And the other 30 books were 
books that extrapolated or expanded or explained each of the points in those nine dialogue books, which I des- which I believe really deserved you know, really in-depth exploration. But now having said that, uh, my phone rang one day, a little over a year ago. Uh, this never happened before. A publisher actually called me, out of the blue, I mean, totally out of the blue, and said, Neil, would you be willing? They got, they got my name from one of the publishers of the other books. So they called me. And they said, would you be interested in writing a book for us that explains to people how you think they could get close to having their own conversation with God? Like, I mean, what what is the process that you used? And how does all that work? And can it work for anybody? And I said, well, of course, it can work because it is working. Everyone is having conversations with God all the time. We're simply calling it something else women's intuition, or a sudden insight, or we call it an epiphany, or whatever word we can use to, you know, to justify, try to explain to somebody that the idea came to us out of nowhere. I mean, there I was standing in the shower, and I get this download, and I suddenly have the answer to the question, or the lyrics of the next song you hear on the radio, or the the words on the billboard when you turn the corner as you're driving down the highway, and you realize that that eight-word message on the billboard directly responds to a question you've been dwelling on for two and a half weeks. So uh, I think that God is talking to all of us all the time. I said, I'd be happy to write a book like that. No one's ever asked me to write a book. No publishing house has ever called me. So, but they did, and I wrote it, and they decided to put it out. And we called it God Talk because it's about talking not only with God and to God, but also talking about God. Because this, the third book is broken into three, port, three, three portions, and part three talks about, you know, we should have more, more discussions about God. Because believe it or not, we've been told by our culture that never discuss politics or religion in polite company. So we've been told not to talk about this in, you know, in, in your living room or at the office cooler, at, you know, at the water cooler, at the office or whatever. We're not, we're not supposed to be bringing up stuff like this. But I argue in the third part of that book, God Talk, that there's a very good reason for us to talk more about God because I think that we've got it all wrong about who and what God is, what God wants, and how we can use that divine essence in our own lives to change our entire day-to-day experience. So I'm hearing a question from our audience where they're they're saying, okay, what's the difference between talking to God and talking to my spirit guides? I'm not sure there is a difference. I don't because I, I don't see God as separate somehow from spirit guides or separate from angels. I think that angels, spirit guides, other essential essences, and for that matter, other human beings. You know, it's, it's not any, not only is it not different from what one person might hear from their spirit guides, it's not any different from what one person might hear from their friend across the street who simply says something one day that we go, wow, what an insight. What a great, where'd you get that idea? And, and so I think that God is imbued within every single living being on the planet. The only difference is that some people are aware of it and some people are not. And even of those who are aware of it, some people actually, I want to say, publicly demonstrate it. And many people, even if they are aware of it, kind of like keep it to themselves. So, But there are some people, you know, Siddhartha Gautama was one of them. He later became known as the Buddha. But he was one of those people who not only experienced that connection, but demonstrated it and was not afraid to visibly, verbally demonstrate it. Jesus was another one, of course. Moses was another one. Muhammad, bless his holy name, was another one. And there have been many, both male and female, through the years. Catherine of Genoa and and, and Julian of Norwich, who made, by the way, if no one's ever read the writings of Julian of Norwich, you want to pick it up and read it fast, because it's another person living on the edge of spiritual, total spiritual mastery. Uh, So uh, we've, uh, she was such a spiritual master that she actually went to a church and she said, I can't live in the outside world. 
could you just give me a place? And then the, the church that, that she went to gave her a place to live in the basement of the church and kept her there because she couldn't live in the outside world. She was too open to you know, the divine and too sensitive to what she was hearing to be able to live her whole life you know, um, in a regular way. So, you know, those were in the days before they had nuns and people at convents. They didn't have that. But she was, anyway, that's more information than you asked for. But the uh, but fascinating nonetheless. Yeah. And, and so now all of us can have our own conversation with God and feel free to call it that. And also feel free to even announce it, to say it out loud. And that's part of our evolution as a species. Yeah. Well, one of the, the things, so we, we track what are our most popular episodes on this podcast. And the two that we've done around talking to your spirit guides are two of the five top episodes of everything that people listen to, because that's what everybody wants. They want to talk to the divine. That's what they and want. They are. And everybody is talking to the divine. They're simply calling it something else. And in this case, you've encouraged them to call it what it is. Just call it what it is. This sounds like the the ultimate answer for, for people. And I'm so glad that the publishers called you because I can't think of anybody more qualified to talk about it. And so, you know, this is, this is fantastic. So uh, your, book has, uh, your book is coming out, has come out. Yes, it's just been published just a few a couple weeks ago. Okay, and so it's available presumably on Amazon and all over the place, right? Yes, yes, ma'am. You are. I took a look at your website, and you're you've got courses and programs and all kinds of stuff going on. You want to talk about that for a little bit and and talk about what people can can do with you above and beyond the book, if you'd like. Again, I don't want to sound like I'm boasting, but we we do, we have tried to use the wonderful devices that today's communications platforms provide, you know, totally different than what it was even 10 or 15 years ago. But these days, yes, you can develop a course or a program uh, and put platforms on the internet that allow people. One of the one of my favorite platforms is uh, CWG Connect, which has a place on it called Ask Neil, where people can ask me any question they want at any time about any uh, thing they've read in CWG or anything experience they're having in their life to the degree that I might have something valuable to offer as a response. And I make it very clear to people, look, I'm not the, the authority. Don't, don't go there. I'm not the guy with, you know, capital T, capital A, the answers. So don't put me in that position. But if you'd like to know my point of view about something based on having read 3,000 pages of the Conversation with God Dialogue, I'll be perfectly happy to share that with you. And given that uh, caveat, I do answer people's questions at the Ask Neil platform at CWG Connect. So yes, uh, on uh, the internet, it's possible to find many, many ways to interact with me. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to be able to do that. And I'll tell you another reason that I do do it, uh, Kelly, to be really uh, direct with you. In my younger years, I read some books that really touched my life in a powerful way. Uh, Robert Heinlein, for instance, wrote a book called A Stranger in a Strange Land. It's a wonderful fiction. It's a, a piece of fiction, but it's about a, 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 a Martian child who wound up through all kinds of interesting devices living on Earth after being raised in Mar on Mars, then he came to Earth after being raised, and he couldn't understand why hum humans are behaving the way they're behaving, because they're behaving all differently from, from Martians. He said, he said, you guys actually kill each other when you're mad, when you have a disagreement, you have wars. What, what, you know. Anyway, the interesting thing about that book, when I read it, I wanted to talk to the authors so bad, and I realized, I thought I, thought I would give anything to reach the author, but there was no way to reach Robert Heinlein. Uh, while he was still alive, and then he passed away. Uh, and then and then earlier in uh, my uh, spiritual journey, I, I read some early books by Deepak Chopra and a few others. And I also thought, boy, I'd give, I'd give you know anything to be able to just find a way to communicate directly, not through all kinds of other people, but directly with Deepak Chopra. Just ask him a question. 
What did you mean, uh, you know, when you, when, you, when you said in chapter three of your 14th book, what did you mean by that statement? But there's, there's no way, I found there's no way to do that. So when conversations with God did become widely read, I made a promise to myself, no one, read that, no one is going to have a difficult time reaching me. I'm going to make myself so available to anyone who may have a question, may even want to criticize what I've written, may, may want to argue with me, that we argue, argued with God, fair enough. But I want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to get to me directly, not through a bunch of other people. Uh, and so I did create the Ask Neil platform. I created a, a, a Facebook page that has almost a million followers. I created other ways that people could reach me directly and interact with me in the moment, in, including a, a, a program we have called Advanced Integration, where people can be live with me uh, on a platform very similar to this and ask me questions in the very moment that we're interacting. Because I promise, no, I'm not going to be one of those aloof authors that no one can get to unless you go through his agent or his publisher or his secretary or his team. I don't have a team around me that, that's, that's, you know, standing between me and other people. Was this, this part of you, any part of your conversations with God? Because I know, because if I remember correctly, you flat out told him, I'm not going to be an author. And, and what you kind of alluded to earlier, you know, that you had no idea that it was going to be published. And they told you, yes, it is. Well, with this part of the interaction, was that also part of the conversations with him? Yes. She said to me, make yourself available. And so I followed the instruction. Life is so much easier when you actually follow instructions. It's, it's, I fought it for so long. And then, and now I'm just like, oh, yeah, go figure. I, I have a question for you, if, if you wouldn't mind me asking. Um, and it's uh, come up with in topic with uh, different friends of mine um, where when I'm, I'm on my spiritual journey and I, you know, practice Reiki, you know, and energy healing and all. And um, I one perspective of some of my friends have been, well, you know, that that's all the woo woo stuff. And, you know, you're, you act like you're, you're being God and only God can heal people. And I said, well, then what was Jesus? And they said, well, that was his son. He has those powers. And I said, it's not me doing it. I'm just the vessel, you know, so I'm asking for the divine healing to come in. But their perspective was that no one can heal anyone except God or Jesus. And that for me, as a mere mortal human, to think I could do or even serve as a vessel for that energy to come through me, that that was, you know, blasphemous. And um, I was interested in if you had a, a, a take on that and what your thoughts were. Well, of course, there have been healers throughout human history, not just Jesus. Many, many, many people have healed many, many other people. And, and through a variety of methods, many ways, not necessarily energy healing, there are many ways to heal. And, uh, you know, I had a guy who healed me. Uh, he he actually took a, you know, I have to, he used some physical instruments. I mean, he actually, no, seriously, he, he cut a slit down my chest, and then he took a little saw, kind of a hacksaw, a small version of a hat saw, and he sawed through my rib cage <laughs> and opened up my rib cage, and then he opened up my heart. He, he called it open heart surgery, but he replaced five arteries in my heart. I had open heart surgery seven years ago, which healed a very badly damaged cardiovascular system in my heart. So whether you're healing using modern medicine, using simply strictly and only uh, physical and metaphysical energy, uh, or whether you're healing using not even energy, but using prayer, which is just another way of using energy, uh, or, or however you're healing, Jesus himself said, 
when, when his followers were looking at him and standing there aghast, how could he do that? How, how was he able to heal people this way? But I would say if I was you, um, Jules, and people were saying to me, oh, you think you're God, Jesus is the only person who can heal, I would quote them and say, thank you, I'm glad to know that you really believe in Jesus, because let me quote to you what Jesus said. And I quote, why are you so amazed? These things and more shall you do also. Why are you so amazed? These things and more shall you do also directly from the Bible. And if you memorize that quotation, you will say to those people, if you believe in what Jesus told us, do you believe it only? Are you cherry picking or do you believe everything he told us? Yes. Yes. And when, when I was listening to the, to your conversations with God series, um, and when you were asking the questions about, well, what about this? What about that? And you're having the conversation. And I said, well, that just makes so much sense. I've always been, because I grew up Catholic also, and and I, I had those same questions, you know, um, and it just, it didn't make sense. And so I personally, I wanted to thank you for sharing your conversations with God, because literally that was a catalyst to start me really on, uh, in my own spiritual journey. So for me to you, I personally wanted to thank you for sharing that and for listening to your instruction. So, because it, it helped me a lot. Thank you for telling me that. I, I received that with humility and gratitude. And thank you for saying that to me. I remember in the ninth grade, I'm sorry, I meant to say in the third grade when I was nine years old, I was in a catechism class. Once a week, the priest came to our classroom and shared, you know, about the Catholic doctrine. And this particular week, he was talking about the difference between mortal sin and venial sin to the third grade class. And he said, you know, mortal sin is a sin that if you die with that sin on your soul, if it hasn't been forgiven by a priest and you haven't done your absolution, you, you were to die with that sin on your soul, you're going to go straight to hell. No, no ifs, ands, or buts, straight to hell. A venial sin, you'd go to purgatory. You wouldn't be there forever. But purgatory is you know, kind of like hell, only it's not forever. I've had a couple of marriages like that, but that's another different story. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different chapter. <laughs> so I, I, raise, I raise my nine-year-old hand. I raise my hand. Father, can you give me an example of a moral sin? He said, oh, certainly, son. Yeah. Missing Mass on Sunday without a good excuse. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if you had a good excuse, if you're you know, caring for a sick parent or if you're an adult and you have to work, fair enough. But if you just decide to go play a game of golf because you have some out-of-town friends you haven't seen in a few years, so then then you, you better go to confession because that's a mortal sin. Missing mass is a mortal sin. Well, you know what? I started trembling because as it happened, that Sunday I did miss mass. I, I never miss. I was an altar boy. I was an altar boy, and I was serving at Mass, not just on Sunday mornings, but every morning at 6.30 Mass, I was serving at Mass. But this particular Sunday was the World Series of our playground you know, softball team, and the citywide tournament, actually. And my, my teammates said, Neil, you, you can't not be there. you got to be there. And the game starts at 10, and, you know, and our Mass started at 11, so I had to be I had to miss the 11 o'clock mass. One week out of my life, now I'm, the priest is telling me I'm going to hell if I die before I confess the sin. And you got to realize that Jules will, will appreciate this. We had, we had confession once a week, not every, not every day, usually Saturday afternoon from one till four. And if you didn't get the confession, you know, so I'm thinking, oh my God, what if I get hit by a car and, you know, or something happens and I die because this is a Wednesday. He's telling me this. I got two days to get to confession. And so I'm saying my prayers at night. I'm not making this up. This is a true story. I'm lying there because I'm a nine-year-old nine kid praying to God at night. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. God, please forgive me. I didn't mean to miss Mass. I'm so sorry. And I raced into that confessional practically in tears. I'm not kidding. At the age of nine on that Saturday telling this priest, 
I didn't go to church last Sunday. I'm so sorry. Will God forgive me? If we have to use fear to fill the pews, there's something wrong with the God in whom we believe. I mean, come on. That is a foundation of religious trauma right there. I had something similar. I went to a Catholic uh, kindergarten. And my friend who was Catholic, my family was not Catholic. Uh, my friend wanted to go to confession. Now we were five. Okay. So I'm five. What do you have to confess when you're five? And, and, and of course, you know, we're confessing to the nuns, not to the priests because we're five. What do we have to confess? Right. And so my friend wants me to go with her and I'm like, okay, I don't know what confession is. I have no idea. I've just started in this school. I'm clueless. I'm, I'm actually four because I, I started early. And so, you know, we're going in together and then they peel us off. They separate us. And when we get back into the spaces where you go to confess, cause you're not supposed to do it to, with somebody else. Right. And so the nun takes me into the other room and she's like, what do you have to confess? And I was like, I had no idea what was going on no clue. And I was like, I, I, I don't, I don't know my, I came with my friend and, and she wanted me to come with her. And I don't, I don't understand what's going on. And she's like, well, you got to tell me what you did wrong. Now my parents were getting a divorce. I was going into perfection. I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do it. I panicked. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do any, I, 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 I've, I've been big, I've, I've been a good girl. I've been a good girl. I didn't do anything wrong. And I'm like now screaming at the top of my lungs, you know, yelling for my friend, trying to figure out how to get out of this thing where I'm being accused of doing something wrong when all I did was get up and go into confession with my friend because I didn't know what it was. And they called my mother to the school because uh, when I'm screaming, I'm like disrupting mass <laughs> while I do it. And they're like, oh, this is unacceptable behavior. And my mother looked at them and said, we told you we're not Catholic. She's four. Did you tell her what confession was? Did you explain it to her? Did you? And they were like, oh, no. And my mother was horrified and pissed. And, you know, she read them the riot act. But, you know, yay, childhood trauma. <laughs> it's just like, but that's, that's how, how it goes when, when you're in a, a scenario where you have to be accountable to man for sins you committed against God, which I've never understood that connection. It's worse than that. You can be a person who never does anything wrong. You can be a person who's compassionate, kind, caring, generous, deeply understanding, forgiving, and endlessly loving. You can be all those things at a level of 10, and it makes no difference if you belong to the wrong religion. If you don't believe in God in the right way, you're going to hell anyway, no matter how wonderful a person you are, because you didn't adhere to the one religion that God tells us you're supposed to adhere to. But of course, there are 4,223 religions on the face of the earth right now. And by the way, I didn't make that number up. That's an actual number. Google it. Just type into the Google search engine, how many religions are there now on the face of the earth? And it will tell you over 4,200 faith traditions now being practiced on the face of the earth. Each one telling us that their religion is the one you really should believe in. Muslims will tell you that. Catholics will tell you that. Jews will tell you that. Buddhists, well, maybe Buddhists won't tell you that. <laughs> Hindus will tell you that. You know, I mean, I mean, so what is this that we think that God says, no, if you don't come through the right doorway, we kick you out? Right. Especially since they're all facets of the exact same message. It's, it's, if you look at the belief structures underneath all of these belief, these faith based beliefs, they all say roughly the same thing. They say it in different language, different paradigms, but it's exactly the same message. And so to say, well, you know, it can't, it, it it's can't simple. Be, we're simply told to love each other. Absolutely. Yes. We should be told, you know, what, what the guy said 2000 years ago, do unto others as you would have it done unto you. It's really quite simple. Be kind, be loving, be caring, you know, actually give a crap about other people. You know, it's, it's so simple. And whatever concept. you do, don't do television interviews. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, you gotta explain that one. <laughs> That's the eleventh commandment. <laughs> That's the eleventh commandment. Do no television interviews. <laughs> That's number 11. Yep, or commitments, if I remember right. It's not commandments, it's commitments. Yes, oh, indeed. Oh, my God. I love it. I love uh, it. So how many of these have, have you done so far as far as podcast interviews? Oh, gosh, really, honestly, countless. Really, <laughs> it, it, many, many hundreds, probably in the thousands at this point. Because oh, yeah. the first book came out. Uh, almost tw- twenty-seven or twenty-eight years ago, so so I've, I've I've done countless countless interviews on the Today Show with Matt Lauer. I've been on Oprah. You know, I've 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 done Larry King. Did the Larry King show when he was still with us. Uh, you know, I've I've done all the major. T- again, not bragging. You asked, so just saying. I've I've done I've done all the major talk shows, and you know, Ellen DeGeneres had me on her talk show. I've you know I've I've done them all. Yeah, nobody thinks you're bragging. Just just for the record, if it's true, it's not bragging, right? It's it's, it's not arrogance if you're not puffing, and you if you couldn't puff if you tried. So, <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I don't I don't I don't bring these kinds of things up just to you know impress people. But you asked the question, so and I've done and, and I've and I've done many 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 countless I mean countless podcasts. I do. I do like three and five a week. I have two today. I have. I have two, one, two or three almost every day of the week. That is Monday through Monday through Friday. And I and I asked you that to kind of lead into my uh, another question, which is: over these years, have you seen different trends as the types of people or the commonalities of people who, you know, pick your books up and connect and resonate with them? Um, has that changed over the years or do you see kind of commonalities that have sustained over the years? Well, uh, actually both. It doesn't feel like one or one or the other. I, I feel I've, I've experienced both a commonality for sure, a common audience that has picked up the books through the years and increasingly people who are curious enough or are now expanding their explorations sufficiently to at least, you know, dare themselves to pick up a book called A Conversation with God or one of my support books. I wrote a book a few years ago called God's Message to the World, colon, You've Got Me All Wrong. Now, you know, that's that's the actual title on the cover of one of my books. And when you see that in a bookstore, you got to have a little bit of you know courage to explore, just to even pick up a book like that. That 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 title came to me when when actually because Matt Lauer did ask me that question on the Today Show. He said, "Neil, you you claim to be talking to God. What's God's message to the world?" You know, and I said, "He said we have about thirty seconds." Of course, they always wait wait until the end of the show to ask you the most difficult question. He said, "We we got we got about thirty seconds. Could you put it in a quick paragraph?" And I looked at him and. Yeah. And I was, I was sitting there, you know, I'm on national television and I realized, you know, I'm on the Today Show and I'm thinking, what can I say to this guy? And I was given the answer right then and there. It came to me and I said, Matt, I can do it in less than a paragraph. I can give it to you in five words. So Matt Lauer turns to the, his camera. He looks right into his camera and he says, all right, ladies and gentlemen, from the man who claims to be talking to God, God's message to the world in five words. Neil, with all the dripping you know, sarcasm he could put into his voice, or if not sarcasm, at least skepticism, to be fair. I don't think he was trying to be sarcastic, but skeptic, skeptical? Yes. Was he skeptical? He says, Neil, and I looked into the camera and I said, God's message to the world in five words. You've got me all wrong. And even Matt yeah, even Matt's eye, eyebrows went up. He thought I was going to say, you know, love everybody or be forgiving or what, you know, whatever the trite. He'd never even thought about that. Neither did I until he asked the question. But when I, and he, his eyebrows went up and he went, okay, fair enough. And well, because Gus has a sense of humor that he invented it, you know? <laughs> yeah, and that, and that comment was not even meant to be funny. That was meant to be direct. So, so, Neil, I have a question for you, not about your book, 
but about your personal experience. Ten, so, ten and a half. Pardon? Ten and a half. Oh, okay. Shoe size. <laughs> that's, that's my shoe size. So, <laughs> so what, what I want to know is, uh, you know, I've written a Unless couple Unless you thought books. it was some other measurement, but I don't think you went there. <laughs> I was not thinking that. I was thinking you were talking about your, you know, your, your life experience was like a 10 and a half, but you know, we, we can, yeah, we can go there. We haven't, but we could. Um, but yeah, no, my question is that I've written a couple of books and I've had people call me up and be like, Oh my gosh, I, I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity and all that stuff. Um, but I'm, I'm at like this level, right. Um, compared to you, you're way up here. So that's not true, but I'm not going to argue with you. Well, I mean, in terms of, of, uh, people's awareness of you, that's what I mean. Right. I'm not talking about, you know, a different, anything else. I'm just talking about people's awareness of you. Okay. And so when your book started to be seen by 5 million people, right? And then you did even more and more and all the translations and all the things, right? There's, there's this weird thing as an author that you're like sitting in your house and, and, and you're just talking to your, you know, you're typing on your computer or you're writing on your legal pad and, and out there in the world, things are happening. And then people are like, oh, wow. You know, it's, it's, it's a weird dynamic that happens when that happens. And so, I'm, I'm curious what the experience was of having it go that big for you. Uh, was, was it disorienting in any way? Was it, what, what was your personal experience of that when you were, were having that sort of, you went viral before that existed, right? Before viral happened, right? What was that like for you? I wasn't paying much attention to it. I didn't really realize, uh, what was happening because I was not a person who would call the publisher or check the papers or and somehow, you know, keep in touch with how the book is doing, how many have it sold or what's going on with regard to it. I just sent it to the publisher and really let go of it. I mean, I was having, I was continuing to have my conversations with God, but I let go of what I sent to the publisher because I frankly didn't want to know. I didn't want to be, you know, one of those guys who picks up the reports every week on sales or whatever. So I didn't know. And then about maybe six, five or six months after the book came out, my doorbell rang and I opened the door and it was a florist. He was delivering, he said, flowers for Mr. Walsh and a little gift along with the flowers. I said, oh, well, thank you very much. And I, I took him inside. My wife and I were like, oh, look at this beautiful bouquet of flowers. And a little box that I opened up, and inside the box was a, a wooden plaque with a brass plate attached to the to the plaque, to the wooden plaque. And the, the brass plate said, engraving, commemorating one million sales, conversations with God. I had no idea. No, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I looked at my wife. I said, what? A million? I... I I thought maybe, okay, maybe in a, in a lucky world, maybe 10 or 15,000 sold. A million? What? So I, I couldn't believe it. So that was my reaction in that moment. And then my reaction was, oh, my God, there is really more going on here than meets the eye. If I thought for one minute that this experience was intended to be just for me, I can erase that thought. Obviously, this information was meant for the world entire. Or as my friend Bill said, I, I love what Bill was one of the great metaphysicians of all time. And he wrote in one of his pieces of literary artist, artist, artistry, he wrote, there are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. So when you ended up going on TV shows and, and doing all of these interviews, you know, how, what was that experience like for you? I was very comfortable with it because you have to understand, I, I had spent 25 years in broadcasting. I was, a, I was on the radio since I was 19 years old. And I wound up with a nationally syndicated talk show before this experience. I was nationally syndicated on the talk radio network as a talk show host. So being on, in front of a camera, and I, I also hosted television programs in my 20s and 30s. So you know, local, on local television. 
so so I, uh, I nothing that was going on in the TV studio threw me for any kind of a loss. I was very very familiar with the whole environment. They're they're clicking on the microphone, you know, their your hand. They see. You know, that's what they, they were saying to me. Oh, now there's a teleprompter. If you need that, there's this. I said, no, no, no. I, I'm way ahead of you. I've already done this. I've been doing this since I was 19. And I think, frankly, that that's why I was given the opportunity that I was given. That was be preparing be you for the later. Yeah, be because really, you know, uh, uh, I've done uh, interviews and I, I've done live presentations in front of huge audiences. Uh, again, not bragging, just saying. I've, I was done uh, at an auditorium in Florida a few years ago, and there were 5,000 people there sitting there. I had come to hear a, a little talk that I was giving. So then people say to me afterward, you know, we've had other authors here. I won't name names, but, you know, some other best-selling authors who don't aren't nearly as fluid with their presentation as you are. And I think to myself, well, you know, I think that one of the reasons I was chosen is from the age of 19, I had been doing radio and television and newspaper work as a writer, writing for my local newspaper. So I, in other words, I had been in the media and not just fooling around, but paid professional. I was, I was a paid professional in the, in the working, as a member of what they call the working press since I was a very young man. So honestly, doing the Larry King show, no big deal. But I did have a wonderful experience with Larry because at the end of our interview, while they were running the credits over the credits, he stood up, reached across his desk and shook my hand. And that's a big deal because uh, if you watch the, the videotape of it, you'll see him doing that. The producer came up to me after the show and said, Larry's done that only three times in the entire 25-year history of this program when he has been so impressed with a guest and their message that he actually stands up, reaches across his desk. He knows he's on camera. They're rolling the credits and, sh and shakes the hand of his guest. So that was Larry's way of saying to me, that was, that was Larry's way of saying to me, you knocked it out of the park. But I've never had a problem doing uh, television or radio inter media interviews. Again, not bragging, just saying. I was yeah, trained no, that makes in that perfect area. sense. Yeah. So, you know, how, how many questions do you get every week on your open question session there? Do you get a lot? No, not really as many as you would think. You know, 10 or 15, maybe 20, but not like hundreds. Uh, but but we, if you add them all up, what I get there on Ask Neo and my Facebook page and the Advanced Integration Program in between all of that, uh, then, it, then it, you know, it's, it, but a lot of the questions are the same. You know, you, there are only 10 really major issues that people are dealing with in the world. And one of those questions has to do with one of those 10 issues for most of the people who are reaching me to ask me about something. It's either about money or sex or relationship or parenting or right livelihood or health or diet. You know, there are, there are only really 10 subjects. That people what's what's your number one, your, your most asked question? Why is the world the way it is? Well, I why, bet you're getting, are you getting that one more now? Yeah, why does, why does, if there really is a God, people want to know if there really is a God, why doesn't he come down here and make things better? Well, now we have to have you give the answer. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not going to answer the question. Oh, you're not going to answer the question? Okay. No, I can't. Wait, 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 wait just a minute. Just a minute. <laughs> they want to know if you really exist. If they want to know if you really exist, why the hell don't you do something? I know you've told me before, but they. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll give I'll give them the answer. Okay, relax. Okay, bye. Bye. She, she, <laughs> to be serious for a moment, God made it clear to me, Neil. It's not my intention or purpose to create a species of minions, like members of a kingdom, who have to obey their royal master. If you do what I want and do what I say, I'll be good to you. If you don't, you're going to be in trouble. My intention was not to raise a species of 8 billion minions. My, my desire was to create sentient beings who could demonstrate who they really are 
which is an individuation of divinity, and who would demonstrate their divinity through the process that I use to demonstrate my divinity. In a word, creation. And therefore, I've given every sentient being in the cosmos the metaphysical tools with which to create their own reality, individually and collectively. And that's why the world is the way it is, because you're creating your own reality, and I'm not going to stop you. I'm going to allow you to create your own reality until the day comes where you say, you know what, this isn't the reality that I choose. We're not going to do this anymore. That process is called evolution. It is the process by which every species of highly evolved beings has come into existence in the cosmos. And the human species is moving through that process even as we speak. That's what she said to me, and I said, I got it. I got it. So our job is not to obey God, and God didn't create us as minions, and God is not going to step in and make the world the way we think that he wants it to be. In fact, God said something astonishing to me. He said, Neil, this is going to sound strange. He might even sound a bit cruel, but see if you can understand this, Neil. With regard to how you're experiencing your life, I have no preference in the matter. My only preference my only preference is that you experience it the way you wish to experience it. And I've given you the tools making it possible for you to do that. Why not pick up the tools and use them? But we have to be paying attention to the tools. Yes, <laughs> not the least of which is belief. For as you believe, so it will be done unto you. And God has given us that tool. She's made it very clear. It's very simple. As you believe it, so will it be done. And our collective experience on the planet is a living demonstration of that truth. So it's really quite simple. And, you know, the, he, he told us this 2,000 years ago when the leper was crawling up to him on his, on his knees as he was moving through the town. And his followers were saying, no, no, leave him alone. Leave him, stay away, stay away, leave him alone. And our friend turned to his followers and said, don't, don't push him away from me. Don't, what are you doing? Then he turned to the leper at his feet. How can I serve you? And the leper said, Lord, if I could just touch your garment, if I could just touch your cloak, I would be healed. And Jesus said, do you believe that? Do you actually believe that? And the leper looked up and said, yes, master, I do. To which Jesus replied, arise and walk as you believe it, so will it be done unto you. And the leper got up and walked away to the astonishment of those who were standing around Jesus. How did, how did that happen? And Jesus said, are you not listening? I just told him how it happened. As you believe it, so will it be done unto you. It's really quite simple. I could, of course, be wrong about all of this. But I don't think so. I don't think so either. This has been fantastic. I am. I, I really don't want to close the show, but we're already double what we usually do, and I have to. But I, I so appreciate you coming out and and being on the show. You are amazing, and the the message that you're bringing through is a much needed one. So just as a reminder, guys, the book is called God Talk by Neil Donald Walsh. You go out and get a copy, and I would highly recommend picking up a copy of Conversations with God as well so that you have a point of reference for what he's talking about, um, and just because also the books are awesome. So uh, thank you for coming. And normally I do a single word, you know, single sentence wrap up of the episode, but I think I'm going to kick this one back to you um, for, for us to wrap up. So for a single sentence wrap up of the episode. Raise not your fist to heaven and curse the darkness not, but be a light unto the darkness that you might know who you really are and that all those whose lives you touch might know who they really are as well. For your life has nothing to do with you. Your life is about everyone whose life you touch and the way in which you touch it. Yeah. There you go. There you go. That awesome. was awesome. That Thank was you, perfect. Neil, so much for that. 
Well, everyone, hope you have enjoyed this wonderful, absolute wonderful podcast recording today with Mr. Neil. Uh, that's all that we have time for this week, folks. Tune in next time when Kelly adds another chapter into your guide to energy, magic, and the spirit world. I'm Jules here with Kelly and Neil, and you have been listening to Spirit Sherpa. So long, y'all. Bye. Facing still another hundred miles to my next resting place Driving down the road, eyes on the horizon Within my car, I'm all alone But feeling good and feeling strong Knowing that this path I'm on brings me to myself I'm driving Are you waking up to the spiritual world and realizing that you have no idea what you're doing, but you feel like you kind of probably should, especially since you seem to be seeing things and feeling things and having things see you that maybe aren't so great and that you might want to actually control your experience of that. Well, I have great news for you because our Welcome to the Woo program does just that for you. It teaches you how to hold your energy field, manage your energy field, clear your energy field, protect your energy field, and learn how to protect your space. And you learn how to do basic divination and talk to your guides so that you feel like you actually have a clue and have a way to talk to the guides that will help you to figure everything else out. And it teaches you how to make sure that you feel mentally, emotionally, and energetically safe. That means that we also deal with things like fear and anxiety and worry and dread and self-doubt and inner and outer judgments. And we help you build a foundation of self-support and courage. All of these things together create a solid sense of safety in your own life. They will reduce your stress levels in half, guaranteed. So visit the website at kellysparta.com and find out more about the Welcome to the Woo program. Your future awaits.